1: Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Bible, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Ruth, Boaz makes sure Ruth returns home blessed and encouraged, and Naomi takes notice. We'll pick it up in Ruth chapter 2, verse 14. Once again, that's Ruth chapter 2, verse 14.
2: All right, Ruth chapter 2, chapter 2. Old theme of Ruth is it shows us a true love story. And we have been looking at the beginning of that as Boaz and Ruth have finally met. Boaz showed Ruth amazing kindness despite her Moabite heritage. Not only did he encourage her to safely glean in his fields, but he pronounced a blessing upon her that she would find a husband again all because of her love for Naomi and her trust in the Lord. Now, these are the qualities of a good friend, that they see what you're going through in your life, and they want the best for you, and they find ways to bless you. And as the account continues, we're going to see the way healthy relationships are supposed to form, through true friendship and through others-centered service. For that is true love. One of the favorite things, probably the most favorite thing to do in my life, is to sit down at a meal with Bev. I like doing that with the kids too, but I particularly like just a meal with her because that's the time I get to know her better, to find out what she's thinking about, to find out her thoughts on what I'm thinking about, to laugh together, to hope together, to lament together. You know, there's an intimacy to sharing a meal when you put all other activities aside. We don't do that well in our culture but it's ingrained into the Middle Eastern meal. You're not thinking about anything else. You're not on your phone. You are engaged with the other individual, and it's an intimate time. Back then, they didn't even sit in chairs. A lot of times, you laid down. You would lay down, and your head would be over here, your feet would be down here, and the next person would kind of lay here where their head would be kind of by your knees. And you'd be laying on one arm, and you'd eat with this arm. And so that's how they did it. And so for This type of an intimate environment, they're sitting next to each other and just spending time together. Imagine getting to know each other. Listen, if you don't have this kind of time together as a married couple, you need to. And you don't need money to do it. Bev and I's favorite anniversary, we always joke about it, is the one when we had next to nothing in our bank account. We literally went to the grocery store, spent the last $12 we had in our bank account, And we had a picnic at Cranger's Park up in Altamont. It's where we got engaged. We had a lot of memories there. I grew up in Altamont. She grew up in Altamont. And um, we had a lot of memories there. And we just spent the day talking for hours. If you want a healthy relationship, then you be a good friend by investing in the other person and you look for someone who does the same with you. Now, I do wonder what Ruth and Boaz talked about. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just sums up what happened at the end of the meal. She did eat. She was sufficed. She was full. She had a full meal. And she left. That's not actually what it says. Was sufficed and she had leftovers is what that means. Some to bring home. And yet Boaz still isn't done showing her friendship. Look at verse 15. And when she was risen up to glean, she go back to work, Boaz commanded his young men saying, I want you to let her glean even among the sheaves. It means between the grain that is unharvested. The sheaves are the unharvested grain. I want you to let her glean even where you haven't gone yet. I want you to let her pick up stuff that hasn't been harvested yet. And do not reproach her. It means don't shame her or don't humiliate her. Now you need to understand something. The Jewish people had a welfare system ordained by God that if you had a field and you're out harvesting and while you were harvesting and you're wrapping up the grain stalks, one of them fell on the ground, you did not go down grab it and put it back in. You left it there for the poor. You didn't want those who had to be greedy and then you didn't want those who didn't have to be lazy. And so the idea was is that they still had to work for their food, but you were generous and you didn't hoard everything to yourself. So that was the welfare system that God set up in Israel. Now That means the poor aren't allowed to do what he said. They were never allowed to go just pick food from your field that hasn't been harvested. It would be considered theft, and it would be considered being greedy. And you would get a good tongue lashing for trying to take advantage of someone's generosity for letting you glean in their field. But Boaz, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't want her going home with a small amount. He wants her to get as much as she can hold. And so to ensure that, he gives one more instruction, verse 16. Also, he says, let fall some of the handfuls on purpose for her. The handfuls are the bundles. Let fall literally doesn't mean let fall. It means pull out some of the stalks. When you're wrapping the grain and you got it all wrapped up, pull a few out and drop them on the ground for her so that she may glean them. And don't rebuke her. Again, don't shame her for doing that. What is Boaz doing here? Boaz is doing what Ruth's husband would have done. Take care of her. Provide for her. Give her safety and security. Ensure that she didn't have any needs. Now, we're going to learn later that he doesn't believe she'd want to marry him. And that Boaz also knows he doesn't have the first rights to marry her. So until God brings her a husband, since he doesn't think it's him, he decides to take care of her. That is true love. Because it's based on a commitment of friendship with no promise of getting anything in return. None. None at all. And verse seventeen. So she, Ruth, gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out that which she had, the means to thresh, she threshed the wheat where she separated the edible grain from the stalk. And it was about an ephah of barley. That's almost 25 pounds of of food that she's going to bring home. And so she took it up and she went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned and she brought forth and gave to her that which she had reserved after that she was sufficed. So after she's showing her mother-in-law Naomi what she gleaned, she says, this isn't it. This isn't it. She says, look at what else I've got. Ruth was excited to share with Naomi how good her day went. I also got leftovers. I got extra food you can eat right now. Now, Ruth's excited about all that, but she doesn't read anything else into Boaz's kindness. Naomi knows from experience that this isn't normal behavior in her culture. Someone took special interest in Ruth, and she wants to know who it was, verse 19. And her mother-in-law said unto her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of you. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. The phrase, where did you work, it means specifically, where did you get permission to glean? Who gave you permission? Because there's no way she would get this much just picking up the scraps. Naomi knows someone recognized her and gave her special treatment. And she says, someone I hope God blesses. Blessed be he that did take knowledge of you. The word there, take knowledge, means recognize you. Blessed is he who recognized who you were and gave you special treatment. Now, I like this because it shows us that even though Naomi is struggling with her faith, she is still a spiritual woman. Because, you know, she could have easily thought only of herself and her jaded bitterness right now and so oh, that's nice. I've seen people do that. God is clearly moving. God is clearly working, but they're so jaded. That's nice. Listen, we all go through times of struggle. It's not always a spiritual summer in our lives and in our walk with the Lord. Mature believers have learned how to bear fruit even in the winter. In Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah talks about the blessing upon the person who trusts in the Lord. He says in 17 verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river. And he shall not see when the heat comes, but her leaf shall be green. And it shall not be anxious in the year of drought, neither shall it cease from yielding fruit. That's what happens when we're trusting the Lord. See, Naomi was walking around condemned. Naomi believed that God had judged her, that God had destroyed her life because she had sinned. They had gone to Moab. That was a huge mistake. We should have never made that mistake. And now it's cost us big time. God has judged us. She's condemned. She doesn't believe God's been unfaithful. She doesn't believe that God's at fault. But she doesn't have any hope. Not for herself, at least. But when she sees this, you see her faith is still there. Generally speaking, she says, God bless the man who looked to you. Who was he? And so Naomi showed her mother. She informed her and said it was Boaz. Now, when Naomi finds out it's Boaz, she really wants God to bless him because she sees more than just Boaz's kindness here. She sees Boaz's obedience to be the instrument of God's kindness. Look at verse 20. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Who has not left off his kindness to the living and the dead? The Lord. I want God to bless Boaz, but because he is following the Lord. It's the Lord who has not abandoned us, he has not deserted us, he has not forsaken his kindness to the living and to the dead. The word their kindness, it's that beautiful Hebrew word has said. It's the Old Testament equivalent of the word agape. God's loyal love, his unfailing kindness, his unconditional devotion. What a powerful statement by the woman who'd said, don't call me pleasant anymore. The Lord destroyed that person. The Lord destroyed that life because of my sin. Ruth one twenty one. She says, Ruth, God still loves us. He hasn't abandoned us. In fact, I can see now that he always loved us. And he still has a good plan for us. And even though we disobeyed him and went to Moab, he never stopped loving any of us. That's what she's saying here. Now, do you believe that's true? That no matter what you've done, God never stops loving you? Because it is. That's the reason God put this book in the Bible. Yes, this chapter is a great story of Boaz's friendship towards Ruth. But ultimately, this is about Jesus's friendship toward us. You see, Jesus, he invites us to glean amongst the sheaves. He offers to serve us a meal. He welcomes us into the place we don't belong. And he drops blessings for us to pick up that we don't deserve. So often I think I don't deserve God to bless me right now. But God never blesses us because we deserve it. He blesses us because he loves us, because he's good. So here's the question. Why make life harder instead of simply receiving God's blessings that he offers? Why try to earn what God offers freely in friendship? Why reject God's goodness because I'm going through an awful time? David went through some very rough times. Some of those were because of his own sin and some of those because of other people's sins. Some of them were just because that's how life goes. But David also experienced great blessings from God. And he responded to those blessings the same way Naomi does here. Turn to Psalm 16, because I do want you to read this with me as we go through it. I remember when I first was taught this truth, and it blew me away, changed my life. When Naomi got back home to Bethlehem, she didn't go, oh, praise the Lord, I'm back home. She said, ah, uh, God's destroyed my life. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. My life's over. But here, here she says, God's not through with me. He's not through with us, Ruth. I'm going to receive these blessings. She had learned something, something David had learned as well. In Psalm 116, verses 12 and 13, David asks a question. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What can I do for God? I mean, he's been so good to me. He's been so awesome to me. He gives me all these blessings. What can I give back to him? What can I render unto him? What's the best way to respond to the blessings that God has given to me? Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to receive everything he has for me. I'm not going to try to earn it. I'm not trying to be worthy of it. I'm going to receive everything he has for me. And I'm going to trust him. You know, that yeah, scripture in 1 John chapter 3, when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts, right? We can't trust our own feelings, our own experiences, our own thoughts. I don't know if God loves me. Okay, you don't, you don't need to feel that. You just have to look at the word where he proved it when he went on the tree, when he died on the cross. But God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He proved it there. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to sense that I'm worthy of it. I don't have to have any of those things. But I do need to learn to receive it. I do need to learn to trust him. That's what David said he would do. I don't know about you, but... When someone offers to help me, that's awkward for me. Because I wanted to be the provider. I wanted to be the one to take care of my family. I wanted to be the one who's doing a good job. I wanted the validation of being able to take care of these things. It's not easy to receive sometimes. But the Lord says, that's the only way I'm going to accept it. That's the only thing I'm going to accept back from you. You'll never be able to earn what I'm giving to you. So just receive it and trust me that I love you, that I'm working in your life. Keep walking with me and just receive my blessings. I tell you, it's a lot more stress for you to live like that than to try to somehow live up to earning God's blessings. Well, verse 20 back in Ruth again She says, blessed be he of the Lord who has not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Naomi said unto Ruth, this man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. The phrase next kinsman is the Hebrew word goel. Kinsman redeemer is the phrase. This man is near of kin unto us. He qualifies as one of our kinsman redeemer. What is that? Well, Leviticus 25.25 explains a situation where... I'll just read it to you. Leviticus twenty-five, twenty-five. 25. If a bro- your brother be waxen poor and has sold away some of his possession, in other words, he's had to sell the land that God gave him. Every Jewish family got land, and that land was to stay in their possession. It was God's gift to them because the land is his. And so that land, it would be in their possession. But if they had to sell it because they were poor, they had to sell that land to survive. And if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which, was, which his brother sold. In other words, if you became poor and had to sell your inheritance of land to survive, it was never a permanent sale. Though whoever had bought it from you so that you could use the money to live, eventually that land would revert to its original owner. In the year of Jubilee, every 50 years, all land reverted back to the original owners. But close family members had not just the opportunity, but the responsibility, if they could afford it, to buy that land back for you before that time. Now, this principle also carried over into marriage. Since land was passed through your children, if you had a close relative who died before having children, it was your responsibility to marry his widow. And then the first child born from that union would not be considered your child. It would be considered your relative's child, the one who died. That child would then inherit the land in his name, not your name, but his name, and that land would stay in the possession of that, family. And that way it would not switch hands. Now, in the situation of an older widow who had no kids, well, then you gained more land to pass on to your kids. This was considered a great investment. The widow's needs were met as a wife. She was taken care of, and you gained more land to pass on to your kids. But in the situation of a younger widow, well, that was a great sacrifice because you gained nothing. Nothing. She kept the land. That child was not yours. They kept the land. You made all this investment to take care of them and you got nothing back. So, Naomi tells Ruth that Boaz is one of the men in our clan who has the right to be that person. We may not be stuck here forever. He could marry you. Things may be looking up more than just having a good day of gleaning, Ruth. And that's when it dawns on Ruth. Naomi That's not all he did. He told me more. (laughs) What does it mean? And Ruth the Moabite has said, well, he said also unto me, you shall keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. He wants me to come back every day. Now, Naomi says unto her daughter-in-law, Ruth, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maidens and that they meet thee not in any other field. Again, the language is probably not really well translated here. It's a, that is an awesome thing, when he said, "It's good, means that is a beautiful, joyous, wonderful thing. You should do this. You go out with his maidens because there's no guarantee if you go into any other field that you'll be safe. The phrase there that they meet thee not in any other field, it means that men don't fall upon you violently if you go somewhere else. This is great news now, uh, Ruth. Just keep doing what he said, and let's see what happens. You'll be safe, and we'll be provided for for now that's what Ruth did for the entire harvest, verse 23. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boabs to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and also continued unto the wheat harvest. And She continued living with her mother-in-law. They didn't get married right away. They didn't all of a sudden, you know, Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy run into the fields. None of that happened. Nothing went any farther except their friendship. And this is always my advice to people who begin having an interest in someone. Cultivate a strong friendship. Grow in that friendship. Because then if it turns into something more, you'll have the best foundation possible for a romantic relationship. Well, as their friendship grows over the harvest, Naomi realizes that something more is going on, even though Ruth and Boaz are oblivious. So like any good Jewish mother, she becomes the matchmaker in chapter three. I know sometimes when I read through these things, if you have a good marriage, it can be really encouraging, challenging, but encouraging. Or if you're in a good dating relationship, it can be uplifting. Okay, we're going in the right direction. But I know that there may be some here where you're not in a marriage like that. You're hurting. You feel alone, even though you're married, or you're in a dating relationship and you think this is not good. I'm not in a good situation. Can I encourage you? If you will be obedient to the Lord, he will take care of you. He will take care of you. One of the most dangerous things that we can try to do in situations like that is try to force the other person to become what we want them to be, to meet our needs. And when we do that, we take it out of the Lord's hands, we put it in our own hands. And I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly incapable And things that I take into my own hands don't usually tend to work out well. If you're hurting right now in a marriage, pray, pray. I would strongly encourage you to suggest to your spouse, can we please meet with someone at church? Maybe it's another couple that you look up to and you admire. Maybe it's with a pastor here. But I would strongly encourage you to do that. And if you are the spouse who doesn't like that idea, can I please encourage you? Don't be prideful. I think everybody could use counseling on our church because there's always things you need to be reminded of. One of the benefits of me and Bev doing so much marriage counseling all the time is after the marriage counseling session's done and they walk out and we smile at them, we look at each other and go, we probably need to talk, don't we? Because you hear the truths over and over again and you're reminded. You're reminded of how you're supposed to do this and you need to be reminded. Why do we take a shower every day? Because we're rotting, Our skin, it rots. We need to scrub it off. We need to be renewed. We need to be refreshed. It's our natural tendency is to pick up gunk. And so we need in our marriages to be renewed and refreshed as well. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. Everybody's got to start somewhere. So, you know, if you're in that situation, pray for your spouse and ask him. Say, can we do this? Because I trust God will bless you and he will help you. Anyway, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you are there to help us, that you give us your word. You don't leave us in the dark about how to do this thing. And Lord, maybe everybody else doesn't, but I know I have all my own ideas of how it should be. And Lord, truth is, so many of those ideas have been formed and shaped by things that are not you. And so we put unrealistic expectations on our spouse, unrealistic expectations on ourselves, how our marriage should be, how our family should be. And instead of looking to you and humbling ourselves and just saying, how can we do better, Lord? We just keep doing it on our own. So, Lord, we don't want to do that in our marriages, in our dating relationships, and our friendships with other people, Lord. We want to be those who look to you, trust in you, who, Lord, receive your blessings, even though we don't deserve them. Because the truth is, like Boaz reached out to Ruth, Lord, you've done that and so much more for us. You said you're my friends, and I lay down my life for you. And Lord, we say thank you for that. We receive that. We receive your love, and we want to walk in it. Help us to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online